This is Jessica Ortner, and I'll soon be joined by my brother Nick. Our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going through a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. And we are back with another episode. We are thrilled that you are joining us. Hey, Nick. Hey, Jess. You know what I just realized? Um, we have to like tell people who we are every time because sometimes people just download this episode for the first time and uh, they don't know who we are. Well, we do say Nick and Jess Gordon in the beginning. Well, I understand they know our names, but like, where do we come from? Mm. Buenos Aires, Argentina. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we were born. Okay. No, but I'm saying, you know, yes. where, where we hang out, you might know us from thetappingsolution.com, where for the last decade we've been sharing this technique called EFT Tapping, so you can check us out there. And this is our new podcast where we interview amazing people about spirituality, productivity, and everything you heard in the opening. Right? Yes, exactly. I, tapping is such a powerful stress relief technique. I, I still forget that some people don't know don't know it. And it's something that you can learn just in a few minutes and use yourself. So definitely check that out at thetappingsolution.com. So our guest is actually a tapping fan. Because is she is? I didn't know that. She is because we – so Hay House, my publisher, had an event in London. And so I went to London and I met Pam Grau, which I was so excited about because I had read her book. At that time, uh, her only her first book had come out, which was called E Squared which became a massive hit, New York Times bestseller. And she was really nervous about speaking in public. And we started to tap together. And she loved it and was able to really feel calm. And she just, she killed it. She nailed it. She just did such a great job in London. So ever since then, she always taps before she gets on stage. And she'll send me a text message to let me know how how good it went. So she's she's become a tapping it is so yeah. great for public speaking. I mean, it just a tool you can do in the moment just calms down your whole body. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. And you know, it's kind of refreshing. I I read E Squared and I just loved it. I know you have some stories. I know your you and your wife were doing these experiments as well that she teaches in the book. And I gotta say though, it's kind of refreshing when you meet someone like that and you learn that they are a bit scared of public speaking or they're still working on something because it reminds you that we're all human and we're all trying to improve in different areas of our lives and it's not like we get to this one place where suddenly we're just always perfect and masterful when it comes to attracting what we want. Like we're all a work in progress. I, I thought we were the perfect experts, Jess. I am, but podcasts. I'm just talking for everybody else. To oh, make okay, yeah, else yeah, yeah. Feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you 100%. We are human and working and learning. And I think this is part of the fun of this adventure that we are on together. Um, yeah. So Pam's, so E squared, should I tell a quick E squared story? Yes. Um, E squared is such a neat book because it's an easy read. And I say that as a highest compliment. People often say that about, uh, my first book, the tapping solution, they'll say on Amazon, Oh, it's so easy to read. And I take that as just the hugest compliment, right? Because who needs heavy, dense stuff that we can't understand? Uh, Pam's book is fun, easy, and it's a series of experiments, right? So experiments you conduct with the universe. Um, let's, let me think of one to share that Brenna, my wife, did because she was doing it and she is the ultimate manifester, as the you know, Jess. The story. 
The bone arrow story. I remember this one. Do you want me to share it? Yeah, so you remember. One yeah. of the things with E squared is you want to think about something that you want to attract, that you want to manifest. And so Brenna decided that she wanted to manifest a bow and arrow. I don't, I don't know why, but I think she wanted. Well, the idea is to just pick something fun and random. Like that's, that's having it. fun with a you. It's not like you need a bow and arrow. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like manifesting a cup of coffee is a little bit easier than a bow and arrow. I think, I think Brenna was ready to really put this to the test and see yep. if she could just attract something really random in her life and to spot it. And then you guys, I, I don't know, you guys went somewhere and she found a bow and arrow. Yeah, it was random. It was like at a store. I think it was like, it was some like craft store and there was like a toy bone arrow. Just not not a toy you see. It was just really random. You know, and that's just having fun, right? Like she did other things. There's other stories that are more like consequential. But this book is fun. Pam is fun. And I love it. Um, you know, Jess, I want to I want to tell you a story about this weekend, which is sort of in line with just vibing with the universe, yes. um, which is today's theme, which I haven't shared with you. And it actually happened yesterday. I was in the grocery store. I was picking up flowers for Brenna. Brenna's like the theme of this podcast. I wonder if she'll even listen to this. I was picking up flowers for her because it was her baby shower. We, um, we are having a baby girl sometime in May, which we're very excited about, our first. So it was her baby shower and her birthday at the same time. So I was stopping by at the end of the baby shower. I got a bunch of flowers, had them in my hand. And uh, actually, to preface this, on the way over in the car, I was listening to Carolyn Mace. You might know the author, Carolyn Mace. She's Love her. Yeah. amazing. She's become a good friend, and uh, she's really incredible. I was listening to an old lecture she did about grace, right? Just the idea of grace and, and you know, uh, grace as a real thing. She was talking about it as something that exists in this world that we can almost feel it and touch it the way she talked about it. You know, the grace that fills our lives in those quiet moments and those moments of inspirations, the grace that fills our lives at all times and we rarely notice it. And uh, so, you know, I walked in thinking about grace and listening to Carolyn and picked up some flowers and it was a special day, obviously, going to the baby shower. And as I was walking out of the supermarket, this man yells out, Nick! And <laughs> I look up and I, I, I see him and I don't recognize this man. He says, it's Mario! And I said, hi, Mario. And uh, he says, I'm, I'm such a big fan. He says, I live up on this road uh, somewhere in the same town, in, in Newtown, Connecticut, where I live. And uh, he says, I'm, I'm just such a big fan. And I can't do Italian accents. He had this thick Italian accent. He had a cross around his neck, which to me just sort of signified grace. Like he was, his, his spirituality was sort of oozing out of him. And, uh, and he said... You, I am so touched by your work, by what you do in the world. Again, it'd be so much better with this thick Italian accent. And, uh, and he grabbed both of my cheeks in his hands. <laughs> like, this is how Italian, he grabbed both of my cheeks. He says, can I give you a kiss? I have to give you a kiss. <laughs> this is in the middle of the seed market, you know. And I'm like, of, of course, you know. Like, you know, that he gives me a big kiss on both cheeks. And he just says, thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you for... You know, and he didn't use the word grace, but I just, I just felt grace in that moment. You know, um, we are, as you know, Jess, we are so lucky to do the work that we do. And I don't think, I know I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, but I forget the impact that 
we can have and the tapping can has can have because you know we're doing a lot of it on the internet and through mediums like this. So just being in the presence of someone who uh, was so filled with love and was so kind, it just it really really moved me and it it felt like grace. It was a very special moment. Well, I think that's an invitation to all of us to notice when grace shows up in our lives and to begin to be grateful for it. You know, I was go- I went yesterday for. Um, a run and I'm in California now I'm near the beach which is like a whole new experience and something in my head just told me to run down the pier which I never run down the pier and when I got to the end there were dolphins Mm. and it was so beautiful and I had that moment where I was like you know I could just look at this and go yeah like what a coincidence how cool there's dolphins or I could stop and be very grateful and say thank you I think there's something else in play here and I'm I'm excited for this gift, that this crossed my path. It's really, I think, grace is all around us, but it's taking those moments to recognize it and letting it fill us up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love the word coincidence. People will say, oh, well, you know, is that just a coincidence? Maybe it is, but you know what? And I talked about this, I think, in the last podcast. I'd rather live feeling full of gratitude and being astonished by coincidences than being cynical and just say, well, this is just what happens. It's not the universe or it's not grace or it's not whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so yeah, I agree. Let's, let's feel some grace in our lives. And maybe this is the, uh, maybe we can ask Pam about this, right? Yeah. uh, What does she think of the word grace and how does grace work in with the law of attraction and manifesting what you want in the world? I love that. I'm definitely going to ask her that. I'm before I jump into the interview. I'm also going to call Dad, our dad, our father, because he's just <laughs> our father. Dad. Our father, also known you might as, know him as might dad. know him as Dad. <laughs> um, he he is such a Pam Grout fan. It's adorable. Yes. He forwards us her blog posts all of the time, and if I'm ever struggling with anything, he'll be like, "Have you picked up Pam's book lately?" Or <laughs> you know, or he'll just like. He's so sweet. He he's not he's really great about not giving unsolicited advice, but he does so by just forwarding blog posts. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's great. Hey, let's do this. This will be fun. It's um call him up and record ask him to think of a question to ask Pam. Have him record the question. Like we'll figure out how to record it and then let's splice that in and Pam can actually hear a question from dad. He is going to be thrilled. I was he's gonna, that. he's gonna be like, I don't now. know what question to ask. He's gonna be nervous. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he can make his podcast debut. We're gonna bring the whole family and people. Okay, so. perfect. I will definitely call Dad. So yeah, with that, let's jump into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna interview her in just a few hours. So I'll give Dad a call and uh, and yeah, we're gonna have a good time. Okay, and what are we doing about this llama story? Because people are just. Do we just string them along for like twenty episodes no, this for the is llama thing. story? I want to share the llama story at the end of someone's interview but the last the last few have just kind of gone on pretty long so uh all right so we're just gonna have to keep playing it by ear we'll i don't know what to by, ear. by the way it, dad i asked dad what he thought about the podcast and he was like i he's like i really like it it's really great but two things one get a better microphone which i have <laughs> which i have and then the second thing he's like you know nick keeps talking about your embarrassing stories but what about nick's embarrassing stories no like, it's it's a good point, but Jess, let's be fair. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm sure I could think of some embarrassing stuff, but you have like a book of embarrassing <laughs> stories. 
That's I just true. don't, you know, like you. I just, I think I'm naturally a bit more adventurous. So I end up in random situations. You are. Yeah. You're more adventurous than me. You know, I, I, I may have not put myself in the situation with the llama that you did. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, all right. Well, stay tuned because you'll hear that sometime. Um, but for now, we have a great interview in store with Pam Grout. Enjoy the interview, and you guys can uh, catch us at the other on the other end. Enjoy, enjoy guys. Hey, Jess. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, I'm having fun. I'm writing a story today for Men's Journal on the best places to spot aliens. So it's kind of fun. Stop <laughs> it. Is that really what you're doing? Can That's you- really what I'm doing today. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek piece, but you know it's fun. I love doing really weird, wild things. <laughs> Obviously. Area 51, yeah. I love it. So wait, what's what's number one? Um, I haven't put them in order yet. I'm just, you know, writing 10 different places where you could spot aliens. It's just kind of a funny little thing. Like, of course, there's places like Area 51 and in Nevada and Roswell, New Mexico. But there's also some other places that are kind of fun, too. That is so fun. Well, I think we should. So my podcast is so casual, so fun. So I think we should just, like, start recording, jump in and chat. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So I have been recording. From when I said hello, oh. <laughs> just so that you know, so everybody knows you're writing a piece about aliens. Oh, cool! That's the first impression that you're making. Oh well, yeah. maybe want to change that. <laughs> well, no, you did say it's a tongue-in-cheek piece, and I think it's so it's fascinating. I mean, you're a writer, like that's you write so, and you've written just like so many articles, and you've been published in so many different magazines. So I just love how you have this book that. It doesn't just get on the New York Times bestseller list. It gets to number one for weeks. And, you know, you have this, like, major success, and you still just let your creative juice flow all over the place. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, I think we're all really creative. In fact, I just gave a TED Talk last Monday, a week ago, on why all of us need to practice creativity, not just artists. So it has, so how do you practice creativity if you're not an artist? Well, I think everybody needs to practice it. But what I talked about in my TED Talk, what I did is I said, hey, here, I want to tell you guys today about the most important book in my library. And everybody's thinking, oh, what's going to be the Bible, whatever. But no, I hold up this 49-cent spiral notebook. And I said, this is the most important book in my library because in this, I write down new ideas every day. And so all of us, this creativity, these new ideas are available to all of us. Creativity is the inheritance of every single person. And it's just like, you know, in the old days, we didn't think, you know, athletes were the only ones that had to work out, you know. And then we realized, well, everybody needs to work out. I think it's the same thing with creativity is that we used to think, oh, just artists need creativity. But actually, every single person, just like every single person needs to have a fitness regime or everyone does or else they feel guilty about it. Everyone needs to have kind of a creativity regime. So that was kind of what my TED talk was about. Yeah. I think one of the blocks that many people have when it comes to being creative is the fear that they begin to judge their own creativity. Like they think like, well, if I am not writing this amazing novel, then what's the point of writing? Or if I'm not a great painter, what's the point of me buying these paintbrushes and just painting this canvas. There seems to be so much pressure about things being successful to be worthy of doing them. 
Right. Well, that's just old mental programming. To me, the reason you practice creativity is it opens up this whole new portal. It's kind of like, you know, in um, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Remember how they go into the wardrobe and they enter the magical world of Narnia? Yeah. I mean, to me, when you practice creativity, then you enter this magical world of something so much bigger. And so to me, creativity is just everything. In fact, even though those two books that I wrote for Hay House that are, you know, did so well... Um, they're not about creativity, but it is creativity. It's about accessing that bigger thing. And that's really where all the juice comes from. And that's what I think, you know, everybody, everybody should be interested in. Right. Totally. So Pam, when it comes to writing in that notebook, what's it look like? I mean, what, how do you begin to get creative? Do you just randomly in the day jot certain things down or do you set a certain time every day that you sit in front of that notebook? Well, I write in it pretty much every day. And sometimes, you know, it's just like to-do lists or it might be my latest gratitude. You know, I love to focus on gratitudes. But every day I try to, you know, stimulate my mind to come up with a new idea. And most of the ideas are, you know, not that interesting or self-obsessed. But if you keep doing it every day, eventually you get these really amazing ideas. I mean, something really wonderful happened. It's like if you show up every day for the notebook then, um, you know, the muses go, hey, you know, I think I can count on this person and they'll start sending good ideas your way. So I think discipline, although I, that word sounds, you know, oh, discipline, how awful is that? No, but this is fun discipline. It's like, oh, this is really fun. I love writing in my notebook. It's a ritual. Yeah, it's a ritual. It's a beautiful ritual. Yeah, I love that. So when did you get the idea of E squared? Well, I wrote it actually maybe 10 years before it came out with Hay House. It came out as another book called God Doesn't Have Bad Hair Days. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, so, it, you know, I sold it. It was out there. But nothing really happened with that book. I think, you know, four people read it. And then it went out of print. And then I went on and wrote, you know, some books for National Geographic. And then I remember thinking, you know, I really liked that book. And it was it's kind of funny. The two books that I liked, the very best of my 17 books were the two that had gone out of print. But, um, you know, I, I brought God Doesn't Have Bad Hair Days back out as E squared. And then everybody did like it the second time. Those four people that read it, you know, might have had to read it again. But <laughs> Yeah, and a few people liked it. It was the biggest understatement. This book, it was crazy. I mean, I read this book before I met you, and it was because everybody was posting about it. It was on Facebook, on my Instagram. People were tweeting. Why do you think there was just this, this huge, um, I don't even know what you would call it, like this movement, this excitement? Why do you think... Ooh, I'm, I just dropped my water bottle. Why do you think it really took off the way that it did? Well, it's a fun book, and it's lighthearted, so it's easy to read for one thing. And I think people are just hungry for this kind of thing. I mean, this idea that life is meant to be magical, I mean, that is a radical notion for a lot of people. And I think everybody on some level knows it, but we've been taught this other thing, you know, that life isn't meant to be magical, and that life is meant to be hard. And, you know, so I think... It's like, wow, here's a little bit of hope. You know, is it possible that life is meant to be magical and that miracles are natural and normal? And so I think it's all, and all I ask of people is just a little bit of willingness. You know, just try it for 48 hours. I mean, how hard is that? I'm not saying, oh, you need to, you know, sign up for this big regime and do this for the rest of your life. 48 hours, give it a try. So I don't know. I mean, who knows why it just happened to strike a chord. But I think a lot of it's just, it's fun and it's easy and it's um, kind of a message of hope. Right. Well, a big part of the book is doing these experiments. And so I think it really took off because people were doing these experiments, getting incredible results, and then talking about it. 
And we've all had the, you know, some of the experience, the experiments, like I know one of it, one of the experiments is about thinking about someone often and kind of manifesting them calling you or an interaction with them. And that happens all the time, naturally, I think for people, you, you have someone, you're thinking of someone that you haven't spoken to for so long, and then suddenly they call you. Yeah, no, like, it's a pain. Yeah. In fact, I think, you know, we're using this force or this power all the time. It's just that we're not conscious of it. I think really what the book da- did is it made people conscious, made them realize, you know, I could do this, I can make a plan and do it rather than as it just happens. Like my beliefs and my expectations Life forms around my beliefs and expectations, so all I have to do is change my beliefs and expectations, and life will actually change. So it's just kind of, it's just sort of fun. It's a neat idea. Right. Well, it's a neat idea that we see really working within our lives when we begin to try these experiments. So what are some, I want to share some experience, some experiments with the listeners right now. So what's one of your favorite experiments, something that's easy that we can begin to do ourselves to kind of get that affirmation that there really is this, this universe and we really do have the power to create our reality? Well, one of my favorite experiments, and you know, you were talking about how it spread over the internet, the um, Albie Einstein experiment where people make the Einstein wands. I mean, people put up all these YouTubes all over the place. Anybody that Googles my name or just even Albert or Einstein wands and they'll see all these videos and there you're seeing it with your own two eyes. It's like, wow, I say these things or I think these things and when I'm saying negative things about myself, these wands just, you know, they, they cross in on themselves. When I'm thinking big, beautiful thoughts like, oh, life is great. These wands just open up and your energy just goes out every direction. So that one, I think, might have made the biggest impression in that so many people put up these videos about this. And it's really fun to see it because, again, you know, we've heard about these principles forever. I mean, this is, I mean, the Bible talked about these principles. They've been around forever. But it's like, okay, it's time for the rubber to meet the road. It's time to actually put this stuff into practice. And so because in some ways this energy force, this power is kind of invisible. People didn't trust or didn't use it. And so I like that, you know, the Einstein wands because it's so visible. It's like, wow. I mean, wait, so break like, this, break this down. I mean, this isn't like a, a wand that Einstein invented. What are you oh, no, talking I, about when you say I, Einstein wand? Yeah. The reason I call it that is because the truth is everything is energy. We are energy. We're all a you know, connected this big giant energy field. And so we animate into our lives whatever we're focusing on, whatever we're placing our attention upon. So what the Einstein wants do really is just show you so you can see it with your little eyeballs. <laughs> but like, you, what, well, what is it? Like, what, what do we do? Okay, it I, 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 it's a couple hangers. You can use any kind of wire you want, but it's a couple hangers, and then you fold them to kind of look like little laser guns. You, know, you just fold down six inches, and then you put a little straw on it. So basically, it's just two wire hangers, you know, pointed out in front of you, and then you're holding on with your hands onto the little handle that you've bent over. You know, you've bent the, the wire so it's straight except for these little six inches that you curve down to be the handle, and you hold on to them. So when you first, you know, pick them up and touch them, you know, they'll start wiggling all over the place because, again, we are rivers of energy. And so these, you know, these walls, will be, you know, but they'll finally settle down. And then once they settle down, then you just think of something that's scary, something you're, you don't want to think about, or something that's sad, or, or something negative, like, oh, I'm so ugly, or whatever you want, you know, some negative. And these wands, you just watch what happens to your energy, what happens to these wands when you're thinking that. You see the wands cross in on themselves. You see yourself shutting down. You see your energy blocking off all the good of the universe. 
then, you know, after you've done that, I mean, you can do it in any order you want, but then you hold those wands again out in front of you and you think, you know, big, beautiful thoughts like, oh, life is so wonderful. I love my life. I can't wait for, you know, whatever new exciting project to be finished or to start or whatever you want to think. And those wands just open up. And it's just, I, I like it so much because it's so visible. Again, yes. not you can't, you know, dispute it because it's like you see it with your own two eyes. So that's been a really fun one that's really attracted people. I mean, a lot of people have liked that one. But um, there's, a, I mean, the food one's been kind of fun too. You know, I have people, you know, fall in love with their food and talk nice to their food and, um, you know, and, and talk nice to their body instead of, you know, dissing their body all the time and thinking their food is this horrible thing that's going to get to them. So that's been a fun one as well. So I don't know. They're all kind of fun and interesting to try, and they're really easy. So, so that's the great thing about them. Yeah. Well, that's it. They're they're so easy. They are so fun. And the book is very easy and fun to read. So you had E squared, then you came out with E cubed. So what was the transition there? So after E squared, what inspired you to write E cubed? Well, my editor at Hay House thought that E cubed would be good. <laughs> I'm actually starting on two new projects for Hay House, but. First, before they want to do anything, they said, you know, let's go ahead and, and you know, keep the, parlay the E squared phenomenon going. And quite frankly, I was blogging and I was loving writing about this. And I had gotten so many stories from readers. I mean, every day I open up my inbox and there's all these cool stories from people that have done the experiments. And so literally I'm hearing about these miracles, all these amazing things happen every day. So I had a lot of information. In fact, in E-Cubed, I've got a whole chapter. I call it, well, duh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all these different, and so I go through each of the experiments, and I talk about all these things that happen for people. I mean, everything from a woman who got $100,000 to somebody who, you know, asked for white feathers and got four miles of white feathers all the way along the highway. I mean, just these real, I don't know if I even put that one in the book, come to think of it, but that was a fun story. But anyway, just all these stories that have happened, and I put that, it's kind of like I call it, you know, chicken, chicken soup for the manifest or soul or something. So it's fun to read all the stories of other people. And then I came up with nine more experiments. Like for example, one of the, my favorites from, um, from E cubed is you think of a belief that you've always had about yourself. I mean, something that you think is true. You think it's a fact. And then like, for example, one of my beliefs, and you and I have talked about this before, you know, my, my thought that, oh, I'm not very good at speaking or I'm not comfortable at speaking. Remember we did some tapping on yes. that? And in fact, you've helped me so much on that. So I really appreciate that. But anyway, so that was a belief that I long had. And so in this experiment, you actually say, okay, that's a belief. That's one of many, uh, or that's one of the, the possibilities in this giant quantum field of infinite possibilities. So I'm going to, in the, in the time frame of this experiment, I'm going to look for the other possible other possibilities that maybe I'm not a lousy speaker. Maybe I'm not uncomfortable at speaking. Maybe I can be a good speaker. So what you do is you take a belief that you've long had about yourself and we all have them, you know, those, Oh, those, you know, limitations that we put on ourselves, like, Oh, I'm not good at parties or, Oh, I'm, I don't know what it might be. I always get colds. I'm the first one to get colds every season, you know, whatever it might be. And then so as long as you keep believing that and putting all this weight and energy into that basket, you're going to keep manifesting that. So all I do is ask people say, okay, that's, that's your belief. So that's good to identify it. And then let's look for evidence of the exact opposite being true. And it's amazing what people find. Wow. Let's look at evidence 
I never thought of that. So let's look at evidence of the opposite being true. Well, let's look for evidence. Let's okay. suggest, let's say that, you know, maybe this is just a belief I have. Maybe it's not true. Maybe this is simply a crazy belief that I've had. So could it be possible? I mean, that's kind of the hypothesis. Could it be possible that the exact opposite is every bit as true? That I'm, in, you know, in the case of the speaker thing, that I'm actually a really good speaker. So then you start looking for evidence of that. And just like you found the, you know, the yellow feathers or the red cars or whatever you were looking for in that Volkswagen jet experiment from E squared, people find evidence that this opposite belief is also true. Again, we're only manifesting whatever beliefs we've been holding in our little, you know, our little energy sphere. And we can at any time take those out and put different beliefs in. Right. And what I like about your work is you talk about the energy field. You also talk about the brain and the way that we process information. And I'd like to actually read just a paragraph from your book that I think fits in really well with what you're saying right now. So you wrote, scientists now know the brain receives 400 billion bits of information each second. To give you some idea of just how much information that is, consider this. It would take nearly 600,000 average size books just to print 400 billion zeros. Needless to say, that's a heck of a lot of reality. So what do you do? So what do we do? We start screening. We start narrowing down. I'll take that bit of information over there and let's see, this one fits nicely with my ongoing soap opera about the opposite sex. When all is said and done, we're down to 2,000 measly bits of information. Go ahead and take a bow because even that's pretty impressive. We're taking 200 bits of information each and every second, but here's the problem. What we choose to take in is only one half of one millionth of a percent of what's out there. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. <Whoa. laughs> yeah. It's so awesome that we would um, restrict ourselves in that way. And so that's what, why this is great is that, okay, you know, these are restrictions I put on myself and that's fine. You know, that's one reality we can believe in. But let's, let's investigate. I mean, it's just more fun to have at your disposal a lot of other um, options and other potentialities that can also be true in your life. I mean, I just like to pick the fun ones, you know, the ones that yeah, and, serve and me. and knowing that we have a choice. I think that's the first step is that realization of, oh, I actually have a choice of what I'm seeing and what I'm interpreting because there are a lot of people who feel like they live a life and they just feel unlucky. They feel like bad things are happening to them. Right. And because they believe that, then those bad things will happen and they do continue to happen. But I mean, you know, you've heard my favorite line. I mean, I get up every morning and go, something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. I mean, so I'm setting the stage. I mean, that's my first thought every morning. And once you have that thought, then that's what you're going to get. If you get up, you know, first thing in the morning and say, oh, no, not another day. What's going to happen? I mean, then you set up that expectation and that particular right. energy field. So I want to know what you do when you feel like you're in a position where your day isn't going as great as you expected it to. So let me just share a story of something that happened to me this week. So I, as you know, I just moved to California. I don't have a car yet, so I've rented a car short term. I have a very small parking spot between this other big truck and this pole. This It's like a square thing. I was trying to park my car Pam, I promise you, I was trying so hard. I was moving so slow, and suddenly I heard like that, 
like that just like scratching sound of me going against the side of the wall and I was like oh no and then I had to like back up and I heard the scratch again so I look on the side of my rental car oh by the way I don't have I have like the insurance that you have to have but not the insurance to cover any damages from my car so suddenly Mm -hmm. I have this massive scratch on my car and I'm like okay that really sucks then, two days later, I'm going down the highway, and that little a little light goes on, and I get home. I don't know what the light is. I go into my apartment, into the house. The people who live downstairs leave me a note saying, your tire is flat. I ran over a nail on the side. Like, you know, just it was just unlucky. I just ran over a nail, and my tire was flat. The good thing is my neighbors are super hot, guys, and... They helped me change the tire, and that was great. But what do you do, like, when you have these things where you're like, okay, first I scratch my car, then my, you know, then I blow up my tire with this nail. You're in this position of, like, ugh, why are these things happening to me? What do you do when you're in that position of frustration to figure out why you're attracting it and how to move away from that? Well, one thing I've learned, you know, when things like that happen – a, not to judge them, mm. because just like you said, you met these really hot guys, or maybe you already knew them, but you know what I mean? It's like, wow, that was an opportunity to meet the really hot guys. <laughs> so we don't always know, and yeah. oftentimes those things that look like, I mean, our immediate you know, knee-jerk reaction is, oh my gosh, that's horrible. But then it leads to something so absolutely amazing. So one of the big practices I try to do is not to judge anything. Like, it's kind of funny. We were talking yesterday at one of my power posses. I have these power posses and we get together and we talk about this stuff because to me, this conversation needs to go on 24-7. This is a really important conversation. But anyway, so we were talking about cars. So it's funny you would mention the cars. And I happen to remember a couple times, (laughs) not just once, but twice, I've had my car stolen. And this was like one when I was first out of college. And, um, you know, both times the car came back to me and it ended up being no big deal, really. It's like somebody else took it. But <laughs> Wait, so I, how, how does a car get stolen and then get back to you? Well, the funniest part about it, the first one that got stolen, I was, you know, just out of college and I used to leave my keys in the ignition. <laughs> and so Is this one in day, I, yes, in Kansas. <laughs> Okay, so I go out to my car and it's like, wow, my keys aren't in the ignition. What could possibly have happened to them? Because, I mean, I would lose them if I took them out, so I left them in there. But they were gone. I mean, I leave them, they're gone. So then later, maybe a week later, the car gets stolen. Well, those original keys that I had left in the ignition, someone had taken the keys and then come back and stolen the car. But by that time, I'd already had another set of keys hanging from the ignition. So they got two sets of my keys. But anyway, it was just probably some teenagers out for a ride. But the point is... You know, a couple days later, I didn't really need the car for those couple days. I get the car back. So, so you know, it's like, okay, rather than just, oh, that's a horrible thing to happen. And probably at the time, I wasn't maybe thrilled that that happened. But it's, it was no big deal. And then another time, again, and I was telling my grip, and I said, yeah, you know, and I still leave my keys in the car. Oh, don't tell people <laughs> that, Pam. <laughs> a lot of people listen to this podcast. Well, we're going to go out and, but you know what I yeah. mean? It's like. I just believe that whatever happens is for my good. I think once you get it, once you really know the universe really does have your back, that there is this force that wants to connect with you, that wants to bless you. And if you trust it 100% and you really believe that, then no matter what happens, you know that it's leading you to some exciting thing. And that's just such a radical belief because we think it's our job to judge everything. And okay, this was good. This wasn't good. Well, that just lops off half the possibilities right there. 
So, I mean, I, I know people think I'm crazy. Oh, she doesn't care if her car gets stolen. I mean, another funny story, I was going to Disney World for this press trip and this guy I was dating came you know, on the press trip too. He got his car stolen right before he left. And in fact, his suitcase was in it, but he went ahead and came to Disney you know, to this press trip to Disney World or Disney, it was Disney World in Florida. So anyway, he had to buy Mickey Mouse t-shirts and wore them the whole time, which is funny. But then he, he flies back to Pittsburgh and his car's back. So he really didn't need that car during the time he was in Disney World with me. And he was able to wear Mickey Mouse t-shirts. And he was able and he, to have a good time in Disney. And he was having a great time anyway. So, you know, since you mentioned the car thing, I mean, the truth of it is, it's all going to be fine in the end. I always say, you know, there's 11 words you need to know. The universe has your back and everything's going to be okay. And if you really know that, like what is there to be stressed about? Yeah, okay, so your car got scratched. And I can understand. I mean, I, I, I totally get that. I'm not trying to be unsympathetic. But in the end, I mean, you met these hot guys. Right. Um, well, that was the entire thing. But you know what I mean? Who knows what, maybe you'll meet an even hotter guy when you go get the car. <laughs> or, I mean, yeah, you just don't know. You know, I'm, I'm with you. And I try to go to that place too when something like that happens. And so I scratched my car and I thought to myself, okay, maybe I need to start really looking into the car I really want. Because the truth is, I don't even like this car. Oh, see, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So you're ready to get a car. That's exactly why that happened, I would think. So cool. Yeah, I kept putting off really looking to buying a car. And then when I scratched the car, I was like, okay, I can't keep renting this rental car. I really need to start taking some action around this. And I started to yeah, make some phone calls. So yeah, it did, it did lead to me taking some greater action. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I think sometimes, you know, as you see the bigger picture, you're like, I'm quite a bit older than you. But as you start looking at the bigger picture, you realize those things that, gosh, that was really inconvenient. But in the end, it really was kind of a cool, good thing. So one of the advantages of age is you do have a little bit of, um, you know, perspective on things like, okay, right now, it may not look quite the way I want it to be, but it's leading to something even better. I get that, but I gotta tell you, I don't think that comes with age. I think you're very, I think there are many people of all ages who just still they don't see how how things end up becoming better because things do become better and they don't take that moment to even see that that's what happened. Yeah, you, know, you you need like I know certain friends that it's like I and they do the same thing with me. We have to point out, hey, but do you remember how you used to worry about this and then it all worked out? And when it all works out, we actually have to stop and say to ourselves, oh, this actually worked out. And I think that's how we learn through awareness. That is such a good point. We really need to stop and register those things. Because, see, we register the bad things. Like, we'll remember. I'll remember the car being stolen forever and ever and ever. But, you know what I mean? It's like we register that. But do we stop and register? Wow, this really worked out for me today. You know, and, and this thing that happened did it. So we need to stop and register all those right things that are happening. I think that's just so important. I think we don't do it. What we, you know, of those 200 billion bits or you know, the 400 billion bits a second, the things that we register are the things that didn't work out, the, the problems and all that kind of stuff. So the practice of really stopping to register the times it worked out, the good things that happened, that's so powerful. Yeah, it really, it really is so powerful. I have this, uh, for five years, I had a five-year journal. Have you ever heard of those? No. So it's really cool. It's you. It's a journal, and every day it has the date, but the year is blank. And you only get three sentences. Uh -huh. So the same time next year, you'll be on the same day on that same page, and you'll just write underneath the year before. 
And so I actually did it for a full five years. So I could look at, you know, say January 1st for the last five years and tell you exactly what I was feeling on that day and every single day after that. And what was so great about that experience was I was able to see how the things that I worried about never came true, didn't matter. You know, I was able to see the divine timing and there was never a single moment where I looked at one of those pages and thought, I'm so happy that I was worried two years ago. It was totally (laughs) worth it. Wow, that is such a great story. I love it. I'm going to go get a five-year journal. I really like that. That is the perspective we so need. That is really cool. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, so it's called the five-year journal. There's a lot of different ones out there. So, Pam, if you are ever having a bad day, because I know you just said that you don't really have those bad days because when you have perspective, life is just so much easier. But if there's ever a moment where just for a second you feel like you're sinking in there, you know, I think we all at some moment just kind of fall into that, oh, this sucks or I'm sad or just some kind of negative emotion. If you slip into that, what's your go-to to get out of it? What's your go-to thought or go-to exercise? Well, I have a lot of tools that I use. In fact, I I, you know, I've probably got 20 tools in my Batman utility kit, like, <laughs> like tapping. I think tapping is a great way to, to use it. I use tapping sometimes. I like Byron Katie's work, you know, questioning your thoughts, um, you know, where you ask the four questions. I mean, the first two questions are, is that true? You know, that thought that you're having is, is are you absolutely sure it's true? I mean, if 50% of the questions are even saying, is it really true? I mean, that right there is, is pretty telling. But so I use the Byron Katie work. I use um, tapping from time to time. I, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. And one of the practices in that is to say, help me see this differently. It's like you kind of have to stop and say, okay, I, I'm on a path here that's not making me happy. I'm thinking about things that aren't you know, being productive for me. They're not useful. So as soon as I can become aware of that, and oftentimes you become aware pretty fast because like, oh, this is uncomfortable, this is no fun. And then, um, then, and then asking, asking the higher thing for help seeing it differently. Because it's usually always just a change of perspective, a change of how we're viewing it that makes all the difference. Because nothing is necessarily painful except for our thoughts about it. So I guess I ask for a quick remedy when I'm noticing that from the higher thing and say, hey, you know what, this isn't feeling good. I'm not happy. I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm, you know, whatever I might be doing. Help me see this differently. And then usually something will show up fairly quickly that is, again, evidence of the exact opposite reality being true. And then, I mean, sometimes I'll choose to stay in a little bit longer. I mean, we have the choice. We can stay in it, you know, sitting on the pity pot for you know, some people years at a time if they want to, but just maybe like do it. I like to go through a whole Adele song. Like if I'm going to be really sad, (laughs) I'll just play a sad ballad. I'll have a little pity party. And then once the song's over, I'll start trying to vibe a bit higher. That's perfect. Well, you know, (laughs) my song when I was young and kind of into pity parties, particularly was Carla Bonoff. You may not even know her, but oh my gosh, she used to write the saddest songs and I'd be going through some breakup and oh my gosh, I'd put on the album and I would just listen and listen and listen. But that was probably back when I, I really liked feeling all those emotions. You know, it's like, oh, look how in love I am and look at, you know, I, I kind of did that. But Carla Bonoff was my, my person. But why do you think that is? Because I look at my past and I see that I had moments in life where I, I enjoyed the pity party. 
you know, like. Right. Well, I think in some ways we're kind of here on this. In fact, I just put a quote on my blog. It's from Kurt Vonnegut. It says, you know, the purpose of life is to fart around and don't let anybody tell you <laughs> otherwise. But see, here's the thing. I mean, we kind of fart around with like, it was kind of fun to have those dramatic, oh, these men are breaking my heart. I mean, you know, it's just like a range of emotions. And maybe we're just here on this planet Earth farting around and feeling all these different things. Because in the end, like I said, it's all going to be fine. So we're just kind of kind of having fun trying a lot of different things and we're creative people so you know it's sometimes it's fun to try the drama and to try the you know again judging it as a difficult thing so I mean we have that choice and and, and, it, and it's interesting I mean if you kind of look at everything you create with childlike glee and really realize you know there's value in in doing this and instead of judging like oh I shouldn't feel that way or I shouldn't be depressed or I shouldn't be this or that I mean, it's like those two magic words. It's okay. It's okay. I'm probably choosing this for a reason. And sometimes I think we choose things before we showed up on planet Earth and we're not even really sure why we would have chosen that. You know, we've forgotten why we chose it, but we chose it. And, you know, it's our job to kind of make the best of it and to enjoy it and to get whatever we can out of it. So, you know, there's just a lot of different ways of looking at it, I guess. It seems like the biggest thing that we need to be aware of is judgment. Because you said before, judging, for example, what happened with my car, it's bad when we judge it as bad. But even the way that we judge emotions, you know, one of the the big things about tapping the foundation is that setup statement of even though and you stay how you feel, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. The reason it's so powerful is because you're allowing yourself a moment to say where you are, how you feel without judgment, saying even though I feel this way, I accept myself. And the moment we release the judgment around the bad stuff as well as the good stuff, life is so much easier. That is so, so true. And so when we're not judging it, because like when we're judging it, that we're keeping it down in the basement. And then, you know, we don't want anybody to see that negative. You know, it's like, oh, it's unworthy. And so we're hiding it. Well, it's just going to grow and fester down there. So I think that's really powerful to do all that. But when you're not judging it, it's no different. I mean, feeling... I don't know, sadness is no different than feeling great joy. It's just one of the range of emotions. It's like this big palette of possibilities, and that's the one we happen to be experiencing right now. So not judging it, but just kind of experiencing it. So it's it's perfectly cool. And, and to look at it with kind of interest instead of, you know, beating yourself, oh, I shouldn't feel this way or I shouldn't be this way. No, it's fine. It's okay to be that way. <laughs> and this is a great conversation to have because I know – the people who listen to this podcast, they're very open-minded. They follow the law of attraction. They're they're evolved. You know, they really are trying to make their life better. I think the downside of sometimes the law of attraction is this pressure that we're not allowed to ever feel disappointed or hurt or not good enough. And then when those feelings come up, we judge ourselves and we say that we're doing something wrong. And if That's we just let go of this judgment, we can move through them, we can process them instead of keeping them stuck in place. That is so true. And I think that's, in fact, it's kind of ironic that, you know, all the spiritual practices or all this stuff that we've been doing for so long, because we're so used to beating ourselves up, that we actually use these tools that are so helpful to beat ourselves up with. You know, our little egos are so crafty, like, oh, you should feel guilty. I mean, we were just kind of born into feeling guilty. So even these practices that are 
so positive and that can help us so much, we'll turn around and feel bad like, oh, something's wrong with me. It didn't work for me. So yeah, that's a really good point. You know, it's all good. It's all good. And they're just, if you can look at everything as neutral, I mean, everything is neutral except for what you put your thoughts into it. Um, depression isn't any different than you know, some other um, dancing with glee. I mean, but, but, but again, your judgment would say, no, that's not a good one. And this is a good one. Well, who knows? Who knows? Right. I love that. Well, Pam, I have told you that my dad is a massive fan of yours (laughs) and he's always forwarding your blog posts to all of us. And he got every, he was the one actually who got everyone to read E squared, even sent a bunch of copies of family down in Argentina. And so I actually called him right before doing the interview and I asked him if he had any questions for you. So <laughs> I have a question from my dad. So I'm oh. going to try to play it. Hopefully you can hear it well. I've never done this before. So um, <laughs> I'm going to play it right now. Hi, Pam. This is Martin Ortner, the dad or Papa Bear as they call me. I, I do not call you Papa Bear. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> okay, ask your question, Papa Bear. <laughs> So, Pam, I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite story from somebody who read your book and did one of your experiments? Oh, my very favorite story. That is a tough one because I have so many, many, many favorite stories. In fact, one of the things that happens for me whenever I'm traveling, uh, people always wonder, what's your favorite country? And I always say, well, I either answer with where I just last was so I guess I'll tell the last um, manifestation okay. that I heard because, you know, because I hear so many, but let's see, just, okay, just today I heard from this woman who has this cooking show now. She, she made it her, she loves to cook. And so she made this intention that she, or, or that was her thing that she wanted. And so she's now got a contract to have a cooking show on television. So how cool is that? I mean, I don't know that that's the coolest story, but that was one that I just heard today. And that is one I often, um, you know, will say it's like my favorite um, manifestation story. But, oh gosh, they run the gamut. I mean, one of the interesting ones, and I put this one in EQ, but I really liked it. It was the one where you're supposed to ask for communication from someone. So this girl decided she wanted to communicate with her dead aunt because she was doing a genealogy and she was having a very difficult time finishing up this one piece of the genealogy because this this spinster aunt had died and nobody in the family knew much about her. And she'd been trying and trying and trying to fill in these pieces, but nobody seemed to have any record of her. So she made the intention that the communication she wanted to have was with this aunt. I used to remember her name, but now I'm not remembering it. But anyway, with Aunt Nellie, let's say it's Aunt Nellie. Well, after months of having tried to track down this woman, she get that very day during the time frame of the experiment, she gets an email that pops into her inbox from the state of California that says, hey, we just got information about Nellie C. whatever. You know, so she had the, the middle initial wrong or something like that. And so she, she clicks on it and everything that she had been wanting to know about Nellie, and that's not the name, I can't remember now, but every little piece of so it all fell into place. So this Nellie from the other side had actually contacted her and given her the very information that she'd been looking for. Well, because one of the things I say in there, if it's someone that you've shaken hands with at some time in life, then you're even you know, you have more of an opportunity. She'd never met Nellie, but she did own her ring. It was a ring that that she had owned when she was, you know, alive. And so she said, well, that to me constituted um, 
you know, shaking hands with her. And so within the time frame of the experiment, she did get this, you know, this ability to finish up her, her genealogy. So I thought that was kind of a cool story. That is a very cool story. I love that. Well, the next question is actually from Nick. We were chatting <laughs> right before I started the interview, and we were talking about grace. So those moments in your day when something happens and you feel touched by grace, you just, it's hard to explain, right? But you know what I'm saying, like just those moments when you're just like, wow, there's something else here in play. What are your thoughts around grace and do you have a way to describe it or how it shows up in your life? I love that question. Tell Nick, thank you. I love that feeling of grace. And you know, it's really funny sometimes, and this sounds so, it is sort of hard to put into words, but sometimes I'm walking across my kitchen floor and I just feel this happiness, this just joy. I mean, and I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I mean, I'm just walking across the kitchen floor. Maybe I'm going to get a glass of water or who knows what I'm doing, but I just feel this joy. And so often it'll pop up like that, you know, so it's not really the searching for, oh, when I'm, you know, I, like I just came back from Norway and I was sleeping in a snow hotel. I mean, yeah, those things are really fun. And I love that I get to do all these really cool adventures, but it's just those moments where I'm just doing ordinary things and I just feel this sense of all is right with the world. And so it is, it's kind of hard to put into words really, but nobody wants travel articles about walking across the kitchen floor. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but I love that you, you shared that example because I'm sure there's someone out there who thinks, because my example was I saw dolphins, which was pretty cool. I just moved to California and I could see it. Not everybody has dolphins close by. And, but I think that you're making such a brilliant point that you don't need the dolphins. You don't need anything extravagant to feel grace. No. And in fact, the less, the more you take down your mental constructs, the more you will feel grace in your life. Because I feel like that is the natural state. But again, we've chosen these other constructs, you know, about the fear and the worry and the problems. So we're not noticing this grace that's swirling around us and is available really at every moment. So I just love that. I mean, sometimes I just get goosebumps like, wow, this is so cool. I mean, even just the grace of the fact that you and I got to meet that time in London and now here we are, I'm sitting in Kansas and you're in California. I mean, how cool is this that we can talk to each other and we stay in touch and I don't know I just I just feel like there's so many moments of grace when you stop and notice yeah and I think I hope a big takeaway from our time together for all the listeners is to stop and notice because that's what I'm taking away from our conversation so far that there are there's so much magic in this world if we take the time to see it mm -hmm. So, Pam, I have some more questions. Now, these are just some rapid-fire questions that I ask everyone. I switch, I switch them up. They're kind of all over the place. But the first question I have is, can you share an experience in your life that when it happened, it seemed horrible, but it ended up becoming a big blessing? Well, I suppose, um, yeah, here's one. And I, I talk about this in the beginning of E-Cubed. I was uh, seven months pregnant. I was unmarried. My, I was, I was glad to be, you know, because I was older and it's like having a baby was a good thing. I mean, I wasn't necessarily planning it or wasn't consciously planning it. But then my boyfriend, the guy I was living with, the father of my baby, kicked me out of the house in Connecticut. I was actually living in Connecticut. So I'm driving across the country, you know, with all my possessions stuffed in this little Toyota 
And, um, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, you poor thing, you poor pregnant seven. I mean, I was as big as a house, you know, driving my little Toyota across the country. But it, it really has led to this life of, um, you know, just such great joy. My daughter is now 21. And, um, you know, she's just been the greatest gift. It has really, you know, changed my life in every single way. So, I mean, that might be the most dramatic one that yeah. some people might judge as, oh, that's a really bad thing. But I can probably think of even little things as I, if, if I really put my mind to it. But, you know, the, one of the, I mean, I would say this is probably an act of grace is that anymore, I've just learned enough that those things that appear bad or, or I've just learned not to judge and to just kind of wait and to kind of look at it, just kind of, hmm, that's interesting. And then just wait for the gift to show up and know that it will. Just wait for the gift to show up. I love yeah. that. Pam, what's something that no one would know about you unless they went to middle school with you? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just did this little bio and I wrote these three things that nobody knows. And I love to ask that question. Like sometimes I'll ask that at workshops. I have to tell people something that nobody else knows about you. And this one they wouldn't have known if they went to middle school with me. But um, I was once an extra in a zombie movie. And I think that's interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great one. And I, okay. okay. But, but middle school, let's see. Middle school, I was really tall and skinny and gawky. And in fact, um, we had just moved to a new town. My father was a Methodist minister. And so we moved to this little town in Kansas. And my mother was just really insistent about keeping her hair really short. And I had this weird little calyx. So I had this short hair. And these boys' track shoes were in style. So we moved to this new town. I'm starting seventh grade. And all the people said, thought I was a boy. Oh, <laughs> you know, my short haircut with my calic and my little boy track. She's tall and skinny, and they thought I was a boy. So, uh, I, you know, only people in middle school would probably remember that. Middle school was a tough time <laughs> yeah. for many people. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, what do you do when you want to let loose and have some fun? I know you have a lot of fun, but if you want to have some extra fun in your day. Well, I love dancing and I love singing. I mean, I think it's really fun to sing really loud. And I also really like to dance. I like to move around. So, yeah, those are pretty simple. And like, do you like to sing by yourself? Or you're one of those people who are always trying to get your friends to go to karaoke because you want to sing yeah, no, I like in front of people. Yeah, no, I don't go to karaoke, although I would. In fact, when I was in Hong Kong, this friend of mine, we, this has been, karaoke was still, I hadn't come to the U.S., but it was just coming to Hong Kong. We did an entire album for an entire hour singing karaoke. And at the time, oh my gosh, we thought we were so good. We, oh, we were singing all these songs. We just thought we were great. So then, we, you know, they give us the tape. We take it home. It's an hour of us singing. We were so bad. It was <laughs> know that I've sung karaoke since then but I mean I would it's it's kind of fun but hey no judgment yeah. right doesn't matter yeah no I wish I still had that I don't know whatever happened to that my daughter might have broken it into pieces I don't know this is back before they had the technology of the digital stuff this was like an actual it was actually on one of those little cassette tapes that we used to have but um but I do love to sing it I love like you know a song that you haven't heard for a really long time it'll come on the radio and it just brings back a memory and you know you sing it really loud in the car and it just makes you it just gives you those goosebumps that kind of grace thing that you're talking about um so i love singing i love dancing i love reading a good book um <laughs> i don't know just all the stuff that everybody else likes i guess I those are great answers stuff. yeah <laughs> But I think sometimes we need to be reminded to sing really loud in the car and to dance. Yes. we. You know, in the kitchen. Yes. It's a good reminder. Yes. 
I know there are many. I know you're a big reader. But what's one book or the book that just pops into your mind right now that really changed your life? Well, again, Course in Miracles is one I've been you know, reading and doing for a really long time, but I just had a, got a book the other day and I'm the type, even though I'm an author and make my living when people buy books, I tend to go to the library. So I, I get a lot of books from the library, but then a book will happen and I, I read it. I like, Oh my gosh, I have to have this one, but I'll get it at the library first. But it's a book called the way of mastery and it has 35 lessons. And supposedly these are, these are lessons that, you know, some of the ascended masters use when they were on planet earth, but it's really powerful. And it's a lot about, you know, a allowing and accepting and you know everything's neutral and you know some of the stuff we were talking about earlier today so that's kind of one of my recent wow books that I'm really loving in fact I bought copies for some of my friends and sent it off to them um, it's put out by the Shanti Cristo Foundation it's called the way of mastery and I don't even know how I heard about it. it's one of the in one of those grace things you know it just kind of popped into my world I, I mean maybe it fell from the sky I don't know I can't remember you know, hearing about it or, or what. But anyway, that one was really good. Okay. And then I really love Jessica Ortner's book. <laughs> that was one of my all-time very favorites. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll put the check in the mail. Thanks for that plug. No, thank you. Um, that's fantastic. I'm going to check out that book. And I'm going to put your book, I'll also put that book in the show notes. So to remind everyone, that's thetappingsolution.com forward slash notes to get all of that information. And... The final question, really deep, profound question. Think hard. If you could be any kind of animal, what would you be and why? Oh, wow. You know, two thoughts popped into my mind. Um, a turtle, and I'm not even exactly <laughs> sure why. And then a weasel. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, okay. So Colette, Baron Reed, and I were doing this. It's the Oracle of E, like with these kind of whimsical animals. And so the one that we – was it a weasel or was it – no, it was a well, – who's that little animal on um, – it's on one of those Disney shows. Chipmunk? Not a chipmunk. It's um, not a weasel. But it kind of looks like a weasel. But, but we were talking about how we kind of like, like a marmot or something. <laughs> but it, so I don't know. An eagle. No, that would be kind of cool. I, I think I'd like to be an eagle. I could fly around. That would be fun. <laughs> so a turtle, a weasel, or an eagle. But when yeah. you really think about it, you, you want to go for the flying. <laughs> or a unicorn. That would be really cool. I'd that, like to be a unicorn. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Magical, a magical being that doesn't really exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was amazing. Um, I had a ton of fun. And Pam, as we wrap up, if you wanted the audience to think about one thing, tomorrow morning they're brushing their teeth. And by the way, I did say the last question was the last one, but I was lying. This is the last <laughs> one. Tomorrow, someone is brushing their teeth. They're thinking about this podcast. What do you think they hope? What do you think they remember from this podcast? Well, what do I want them to remember? What do I think they will remember? What do you hope that they'll remember? Um, to really take away judgment and to focus on gratitude, to, to be grateful and to register. I like that what you said about this is, you know, to really register those moments of, of sweet perfection and even the sweet imperfections, just really register those, those special moments of grace to where every moment becomes a moment of grace. I love that. Pam, I love talking to you. Thank you so much. But I just have to say one thing, Jess. Yeah. I didn't get to ask you a single question, and you were so interesting, and I want to know what's going on with you. Well, you, know? you need to start your own podcast, darling. <laughs> well, no, we share. So Nick and I chat in the beginning of most podcasts where I share things, but we'll definitely have a good catch-up after this. Okay. All okay? right. Okay? Thank so, you so much, Pam. Okay. Thank you. 
And that concludes our show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you liked this episode, please share it, tweet, Facebook, let me know. I always love to hear from all of you. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can participate and listen to all of the future episodes. We have a lot of exciting things in store. If you want to learn where you can get Pam's book and more about her, you can check out the show notes at thetappingsolution.com forward slash notes. I'll see you all next time. Bye.